Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and importantly some of your very own personal stories. I want to thank you for being part of Mike's Open Journal as guests, as visitors, as speakers, as listeners. Welcome to the world of mental health. And remember, you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast and to episode 145. I hope you're well and thank you once again for doing all of that podcast stuff, whether that's downloading, subscribing or sharing this episode. Thank you for getting involved. I hope you've had a great week Uh, and this week, apparently, I've just kind of found out in the last couple of days, this week is World Wellbeing Week or World Wellness Week. Um, So maybe this is something that will become, I guess, more promoted next year I don't know I've not really seen anything um, about this week in terms of an awareness week uh, as yet uh, other than a couple of things I've seen in the last day or so so I don't know maybe it's one for next year Uh, I think there's a couple of really cool well-being conversations uh, that I'd like to get into uh, with a guest or two um, particularly the five ways to well-being Um, I think there's a really cool conversation that you can have there about um, oh okay here we go with the memory test Um, like connecting uh, these are the five ways to well-being, by the way. <laughs> Connecting, taking notice, uh, keep learning, uh, giving, and being active. Um, so yeah, it would be a really cool conversation to kind of get into, to explore those kind of the five ways a lot more, uh, maybe discuss how we've kind of had... I don't know activities or tools or experiences that have really shown kind of how we've used those five ways to improve our well-being so that might be one for the future I think but for this episode uh, I'm delighted to share with you a conversation from a little while ago now where I sat down with Lucy and with Hope and we hear about their experience with mental health uh, and their involvement uh, and increasing uh, work with the Grace Deer Trust. So it's really um, interesting and insightful to hear about their experiences um, and to hear how the trust came together uh, and get a little bit of an insight into some of the amazing work that's going on there as well. Um as always, uh, this is an episode where we kind of go into some um, really hard conversations. Um, so I want to say a huge thank you to Lucy and to Hope for being willing to talk about their experience, um, both directly and indirectly, um, with suicide and for helping encourage other people to have conversations um, as early as possible about some of those potential struggles uh that people are having or experiencing as well and i think this is a kind of a really good conversation to have had and it's a really good conversation to encourage other people to have as well 
Um, and as we've said before, you don't need to have loads of knowledge or loads of experience or skills. Actually, just sitting and listening to someone can be a hugely, hugely important thing um, and can make a real difference. Uh, but if you want to talk to someone and you're not really too sure where to go or who to talk to, um, we mentioned a couple of different places through the episode, but I'm also going to mention here Samaritans who have amazing support available um, in the UK. Um, and if you would like to talk to them at any stage, so it doesn't necessarily have to be about suicide. It might be that you are struggling or feeling challenged by a certain aspect of your mental health or a range of other things. Um, you can give them a call in the UK on 116-123. Uh, and there's loads of information on their website as well, which is samaritans.org. Um, and it's definitely a resource that is really, really useful. Again, in the UK, there are a range of other places you can look, including Childline, that have a range of great support for young people. Um, but yeah, so we do go into it a little bit in this episode. Um, so if you feel like you might struggle with hearing parts of this conversation, uh, it might be an episode that you want to consider um, whether or not you're going to be happy to listen to to all of that conversation. But... I hope you feel able to. I hope you're positive about hearing and being involved in the conversation around suicide prevention. Uh, And it's a really, really important topic. One uh, kind of project that I'm going to flag up uh, a little bit biasly is also the work that is going on with the Stop Suicide campaign, doing some amazing work um, in kind of the Lincolnshire, Cambridgeshire, Oxfordshire type area. Um, so they're doing amazing stuff as well. Also, the stuff that we talk about today with the Grace Deer Trust doing amazing stuff around a few different areas. So make sure you go and check those places out as well. And as always, if you think you might like to come onto the podcast and share your own experience, be delighted to have you on. Um, and you can find out all the information uh, about the podcast over at mikesopenjournal.com. And then it's just kind of forward slash podcast for the podcast stuff. Um, and as always, there's a link to some of the stuff that we discuss through the episode in the description. Um, please do feel free to get in contact with Hope and Lucy or the Grace Deer Trust as well and have a look at some of their awesome resources on the website. So there's not much more to say other than I hope you're well and I hope you're looking forward to listening to an awesome conversation. Uh, I'm going to drop you straight into it now. Um, so Lucy and Hope, um, how have your, how's your day been or how's the last week been for you? Wow. Um, I've had, I've had quite a big week. Um, well, a big in terms of my sort of ongoing recovery, really. Um, my parents have been away. Um, so I've had a sort of family friend sort of staying with us and, oh, staying with me, Hmm. um, and yeah it's been um uh just a sort of step forward and trying to establish more independence and things like that because I live with my parents obviously and um uh yeah it's just trying to um sort of make more steps forward to sort of stand on my own two feet um I was just chatting to Hope um about that before we started um and um and then I've been driving again which is fabulous because I'm on less medication now um so I that's really helped with independence Mm. um and it just makes me feel um like I'm kind of less dependent on my parents and family and everyone really um so it's good to be back in the car. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, as, as soon as you've got it or you've had it, it's really difficult to go without. I, I think before I had, like, a bike, I was happy to walk everywhere. Then as soon as I had a bike, I was like, I don't want to walk. It's so much quicker. I can get further on the bike. Then I had a <laughs> moped and I was like, why was I going places on a bike? <laughs> Just yeah. And then you get a car and you're like, I can't live without it. It's one of those things. If you've... If you've not had a car or you haven't driven it's it's really hard to understand how dependent you come on that to actually 
kind of get out and travel around different places. I think you really rely on it a lot. So that's great that you've kind of been able to do that again. Yeah, well, I live in an area where sort of there's not amazing public transport. And also public transport, I'm not really confident in using it. I'm by myself at the moment. Mm. Um, uh, Just because sort of it takes me back sometimes when I was sort of very ill and things. And um just couldn't yeah couldn't manage public transport so that's so that's sort of the next step um but certainly like being back in the car is like it's amazing because I was really I was really nervous about it because it's been about four years really um since I've been at times just well in hospital so unable to drive um or back at home and I haven't really I, I don't think I was really wanting to drive mm. at one point. And so I think the fact that I really want to drive now is really shows um, how much progress I'm making. Um, so, so that's good. And I was, um, before I was like driving more recently, I was sort of always thinking, oh my gosh, something's going to happen. I'm going to mm. have a crash or something. Um, and when I'm back in the car, it's just so natural. It's like kind of back on autopilot. It's something which you kind of don't ever really forget. <laughs> to do. Mm. I guess it's building up that positive experience as well for you, isn't it? And kind of helping to to challenge some of those thoughts and go, actually, I can do this. It's fine. Um, and Definitely. tackling that with kind of real experience. Definitely. Hey, yeah. so it sounds like it's been going well. Um, and how about Hope? Yeah, my... Um... My week's been a little bit stressful this week. Um, uh, I, I'm a trustee for a, a local mental health charity. So um, we've been preparing for our Viva Forever charity musical festival that's happening on Saturday. So it's kind of been all, all hands on deck, really, for that. Oh. And you became an auntie. Uh, oh, yeah, and I became an auntie <laughs> as well. <laughs> Not that I did anything for that, but, you know. Um, I feel like the event has kind of got prime billing there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like, someone's also been born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, well, a really interesting time to talk to you both then with uh, kind of some of that positive action happening, but also a big event is always... I think uh, an opportunity, maybe not at this stage, maybe next week, um, to reflect on actually how much has been achieved um, by certain mm-hmm. projects and the work that you've been doing as well. So um, it'll be really interesting, I guess, to hear a little bit more um, about who you are and how your experiences kind of led up to essentially a, a big event that's coming up as well. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, um, what uh, led to me being a trustee for this charity it's called the uh, Grace Deer Trust and um, it was set up in memory of my sister Grace who sadly lost her life to suicide in uh, 2017 Um, and for us it's kind of a way of us giving back Mm. to society as such but it's also our coping mechanism to deal with um, sort of the grief that that's happening at the moment Um, so it's kind of we've really like dug our feet into the ground as such and really wanting to try and make a difference to our local um, area, which is in Surrey. Mm. Um, And I I suppose the reason why we kind of set this charity up as well, the main reason was uh, Grace was um, sort of, we say it's suffering, but realistically at the age of 13, I don't think it is suffering. I just think, Grace didn't really understand what was going on in her head. Yeah. And, and I think for young people, I think Lucy may want to jump in on that. Like for young people that do may um, not feel okay when they're 13 or when they're in their teenage years, they see it as a really big issue that there is something wrong with them. And yes. it's about learning to educate young people and understand that, you know, you're not, you're, there's not nothing wrong with you and it's okay to feel the way you do. Mm. Yes. Um, no, I think I think I've been thinking a lot recently um, about 
just how trying to think as to how early um, my experiences with sort of mental ill health um, really started um, because as um, Hope was saying about Grace who was a friend of mine um, I um, I didn't really understand what was going on in my head and I always kind of felt um, one step behind everyone else um, and I knew I had this sort of inner sort of torment and things, um, which was from probably a really young age, but I didn't know what was going on at all. Um, but I was, I was really ashamed of it. And um, I, um, I didn't know that it was, um, that it was, that it was sort of, it's, that it was okay that, mm. um, I was um, that there was stuff going on in my head and I didn't understand about mental health um, and I I don't think my school did either. <laughs> no I think it's it's really interesting hearing you talk about it because I've um, obviously had conversations with people before and we've spoken about young people's mental health um, uh, and the illnesses that can come into play there and I think something that often I guess we kind of overlook, um, which I thought while you were talking about is we forget what it's like to be children. Um, Is when we talk about um, illnesses and symptoms and the way we feel, it's often kind of, while it can feel all-encompassing, it often isn't 100% of that for us. We understand there are different things. We put on some sort of coping strategy, even if it's just a mask. Whereas actually for a young person, we forget, you remember when you went to school and like school was your world, there was like the school grounds and home and that was it. Nothing else existed. Yes. Um, and the idea that actually if they were struggling with something, how encompassing that would be for someone that their world is so small. Um, and I think it's, we kind of overlook that and I know I definitely have when I've thought about it before and particularly when we think about encouraging people to talk or access support and mm. um, we forget how difficult that can be when when someone's world is so kind of condensed mm. um, that's really really difficult you can't necessarily approach things as an adult and think that a, a, a child or a teenager is going to approach things in the same way yeah no I think that's also really important I mean um I do uh presentations to some uh schools in Surrey to mm. young people and uh one of the main topic that I try and bring up to young people is you know Katie who's sitting in the audience has you know might have fallen out with her parents that one night and that is the biggest thing that's going on in her head at the moment yeah, yeah. But someone might be like, oh, I fall out with my mum and dad last night. I don't, that's not, that's not bothering me. Yeah. But, you know, what doesn't bother another person will bother Katie and vice versa. You know, some people, young people struggle um, with exams. Other people, people don't. And the big message that we try and get across to young people is, you know, whatever the problem is, your problem is okay. And it is okay to feel that 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 you have a problem like that and you're struggling with that and Mm. no one should tell you any different. And do you feel that um, kind of that message gets across? Um, Are you, especially I suppose with those Mm. younger age groups, do you think, are you already experiencing that kind of stigma existing or is it kind of a a clean canvas at that age? I think there's a lot of um, stigma is still attached to... Mm. Uh, mental health and mental ill health at the moment although you know lots of people are talking about it you know you've got loads of people via social media talking about it there's loads of mental health advocates you know charities we're all talking about it but actually is anything getting done Um, and for us being such a small charity um, we can see the benefits that is happening in our six local schools because mm. we've decided to just home in and actually instead of you know going to 10 15 20 schools around the area we actually wanted to 
they come and make a partnership with these six schools and then we check on them once a month and like I said we did a presentation to one of the schools um, earlier this year and just by that presentation alone six young people came and sought help to a oh, teacher that's yeah. amazing um, and for us um, that that that's it we've for us that charity are just by talking we've mm. we've done our we've done our job as such you know just that small little thing just by opening up and actually I think it's hard for me personally I always try and use the word relate I try and relate to young people and actually go you know I'm not a teacher I'm not a robot you know you can talk to me I'm a human being mm. and I think me personally, and this is nothing to do with uh, the charity at the moment, but for me, I'm like, you know, we're in the 21st century now. We've slowly moved with the times, mm. i.e. we've got social media, we're moving, everything is, technology is moving, but yet schools aren't. And yeah. for me, um, I still feel this stigma and this attitude towards teacher that they are the superior and the young people are, are not. You respect me, um, you and and I still feel that young people have that barrier with with teachers where they don't feel like they can talk to them because mm. they feel like they can't. And I, I'm a really big believer in moving with the times, and I really would love teachers to actually um, open up to young people and let them see that vulnerable side. Because how can you expect a young person to show you their vulnerable side? if you can't do the same. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's... be on equal footing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really interesting because I, um, I've i seen kind of both sides of... I've seen some um, schools and colleges uh, where that happens, where it's really good and there, there's a balance yeah. and there's a conversation, but I've also seen stuff that's similar to to what you're talking about where there is a, a real I'm not going to say an imbalance but those conversations yes. just they're not happening yeah. um and it's hard because sometimes I I again like you say personally I wonder how how much I want those conversations I, I do want the conversations to be happening but mm. it's difficult because you add so much on to um a, the role of the teacher um I've been into schools where the person that's meant to be teaching a class is now the um like the lunchtime supervisor they are now yes. doing breakfast clubs and I'm like so when's your break and they're like oh well we have like five minutes and I'm like, five minutes yeah um, <laughs> and it's 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 so difficult and I think um I I completely agree with part of what you were saying is really interesting is that that journey that we're having now I think we are getting to a stage where we have awareness about mental health yeah. and I, I am cautious when I say it because I'm aware I spend time with people that talk about it so my view is maybe slightly blurred um, but I think we have awareness about mental health and actually now it's the education that needs to be stepped up that people need to know about what it is particular yeah. illnesses symptoms support where you can go for help and encouraging those conversations really early on and schools Definitely. are obviously the place where that needs to start as well as in homes but people need yeah. to be taught and educated this so I'm conflicted because I am like yes you're you're 100% right it should be happening in schools I just I wonder whether uh, I don't know I don't know if I, I want mean, to... for me it's if it's not a quick fix this mm. you know if if it, it is a trial and error is, and like it, it's trialing different um, ways and different techniques, strategies, talking conversations, and seeing what best works mm. for either the your pupils at that school or what works best for your school. You know, yeah. it, we're all different. You know, someone with like, for example, I have I've suffered with depression myself. Um, my triggers would be completely different uh to say lucy's triggers and mm. yeah, her coping strategies are probably completely different <laughs> to my coping strategies so if there was that quick fix tick the box thing you know me, me and lucy would be you know on everyone else who has maybe suffered in the 
in the past or is suffering now yeah. would be feeling the way they've been feeling. Mm. Mm. Um, how do you feel kind of over uh, the period of time that you've been going into schools, um, do you feel like there is gradually a change happening or are we kind of fairly uh, kind of in the same place as we were um, a year or so ago? I definitely think, especially I can only talk on the six schools that we work with, yeah. but I definitely think there is a change that's happening. We, I mean, we've walked into a school and they've already had like a well-being department and, oh, wow. and it's pure mental well-being. I've got some schools that have six formers and year 11s being mental health ambassadors. Mm. You know, and they walk around with a badge and they're trained in sort of conversational on how to approach a young person and if, what happens if they approach you. Amazing. You know, these schools have counsellors coming in. So there is there is a change. Mm. And I can, we can definitely see that. I mean, one school... Um, we provided a, a counsellor for them. Uh, they had a waiting list of um, 90 to 100 students waiting to be Whoa. seen. Um, obviously, they've gone through the NHS service, but again, mm. they are inundated. And I think the work they do is amazing, but <laughs> they still can't... The, the capacity of young people needing help they mm. can't support them yeah so schools have having to take it into their own hands mm. and support them themselves and with that counselor um i think it was something like 65 of them have already been seen and have what they call as completed their counseling sessions um Amazing. where they are able to cope and use coping strategies they've learned mm. to deal with what they're doing like how they're feeling yeah um, I think it's like 35 or 40 are still ongoing. Hmm. And then they've now only got three on the waiting list oh. just by bringing in one day a counsellor for for the year. So there's definitely, definitely a massive um, improvement. And you can see that with the schools. But my one big thing is, and it has to come from either the governors, the government, you know, this mental health in schools is bigger than our charity we can only help the school so much mm. but like you said it's down to the education and it's we can't change the we can't change the the curriculum you know that's what is the next step i think that needs to happen in young people is having a you know like they have a phse class totally. and learns about learn about that you know why can't they have a mental well-being lesson? And I think it's that side of you. Are, are, I'm gonna because um, that that side of when someone's come in and used that service and spoken to the um, the counsellor um, is they are then better equipped to use some of the tools independently as well. The amount of people I've spoken to, like I sort of say, I can signpost you to stuff, and I know where there are some awesome resources online. But yeah. if you've not received any kind of support before some of it isn't going to make sense to you you kind of need no. to be walked through it the first time um and although that doesn't mean you'll 100% understand it hopefully you'll be able to gauge what's useful for you or, or how to use mm -hmm. it and and move forward to to some extent at least independently but if you've yeah. had no support before that's so so difficult and I think more and more people are being pushed towards this is available online you can find this yourself or um, kind of into kind of group therapy which I've had and has been really useful but I know a lot of people that haven't found that as useful yeah there are such long waiting lists as you mentioned that to even in a school um, but people are waiting months for for services that they essentially need now um, and that's, I think, where people are being pushed to this other stuff, which is like, yeah, that's fine. If maybe they've received something before, they might be able to use it. But if they've had no information, um, most of what I've seen, I think, would be really difficult to pick up if you've never spoken to anyone about kind of mental health, yeah. about your well-being before. It'd be very difficult to confidently navigate through a website, download a resource and actually use it. No, definitely. Mm. Um. I don't know, uh, Lucy, if you're happy to kind of tell us a little bit about your experience. 
Yeah, of course. Um, it's hearing Hope speak and things about um, the fact that now, you know, we have sort of mental health ambassadors and things mm. in schools um, has just really made me reflect on, on what it was like when I was at school. Um, and I'm 30 now. Um, so it's going back some years. And <laughs> I um, uh, I was sort of made to feel like I was a burden. Um, and if I tried to reach out, then it was very much a case of, I thought we dealt with that yesterday, or I felt we thought we sort of sorted this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, as if my um, problems were sort of going to, yeah, away overnight or the fact that I'd finished one school year and then went back in September um, I was going to be sort of magically recovered and that was with receiving um, no help at all Um, I was almost yeah I was made to feel like I was um, uh, too much too difficult um, like it was my fault like I'd done something wrong Um, and I think it's it's awful really when I look back on it and I'm I'm really really a strong um believer that um, a lot of this work with mental health needs to start at school because it's a huge part of our um our early lives Mm. um schooling and everything is is the time I think where um young people can um learn about the fact that we all have mental health and still I think there are so many that aren't really aware of that or they don't really think they seem to think um you know that just as we have all have physical health we all have mental health and that it's okay that um some somebody's mental health may not be um as good as somebody else's um uh and just as sort of hope was saying about us all having sort of different um personalities different characters i was a very sensitive um uh child and i think i was very sensitive to to the environment and um other people and what was going on around me um and i was i was very confused i think um uh because I just would have, because I didn't understand um, what was going on. And I only had one teacher, I think, um, who really had a, a big impact in um, helping me to, to try to find support and get somewhere. I, and I really feel, I mean, in hindsight, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I, I do wonder whether um, so many years on I would have been struggling as much as I was um, if um, I'd been able to receive the support um, uh, from when I was younger. Um, And I think a lot of that does go down to sort of teaching um, and, you know, teachers being able, and like you were saying, Hope, um teachers to be able to show that they have mental health and that they may not have good days um that all of us are vulnerable to some extent um and all of us struggle at times um and there is there's so much of a hierarchical sort of structure i think i mean i would um I would love to see that um, more teachers are, well, I don't know, I haven't been into um, a sort of school setting um, in that in that respect of sort of mental health for um, a long time, but I'm hoping that with the continued work with um, uh, the Grace Deer Trust, um, which they're just doing absolutely amazing, um, that more and more schools will um, become aware of um, what they can do um, just to help one young person. Um, 
so yeah <laughs> there's a lot of really good stuff in there I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> <laughs> I think um it's really it's really really nice to hear um like a couple of the words that you've mentioned have, have started to come through a lot more um on the podcast with different um guests coming on and it's it's always really nice to hear like similar words crop up and feel like there's that there is that message that's getting out across there now and I think particularly the way that you talk about kind of mental health as being um separate to mental health illnesses is so important and um especially (laughs) being able to do that at a young age you're essentially preventing the issues that we're now trying to undo with adults where there is a confusion or misunderstanding as to what one is um illnesses and what is mental health yeah and i think so often it's it's obviously not always the right time to to correct or to challenge uh, languages or phrases. Um, but I think, um, I'm sure, because of the, the work that you're interested in, you would have seen um, phrases like mental strength, mental toughness, mental fitness um, yeah. being used. And I think, okay, yeah, that's good because it's facilitating a conversation. Um, people are taking action, positive action, because of those phrases. However... Yeah. In my view, they are those phrases are grown from the fact that people don't actually understand what mental health is, um, that what they are terming kind of mental fitness or mental strength is um, basically positive mental health. It's positive well-being or it's resilience. Yeah. Um, I love the word. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, resilience and also mental mental well-being. It's um, it is it's interesting, isn't it? It's finding the words that work for you and your setting. Um, but yeah, I just I kind of always think, oh, it's you've not understood. You don't actually understand what mental health is, and that's what's <laughs> led you to use that other term. Sometimes um, I I really um, I want to correct somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually I actually do correct. Um, a few people uh, but I think it, it just comes back to the down that no one means it's not like they're trying to offend you or, mm. or anything like that but it comes back down to educating yes. and education and I I quite I'm quite a big believer like you know before my sister was struggling quite a lot in her 20s and you know I struggled in my 20s I'm still 24 but my <laughs> early 20s early early 20s um, baby. <laughs> I'm still a little baby I I wouldn't know what mental health mental illness mm-hmm. anything was no. you know and I'm I'm going to be really honest here and that's just going back to when I was at school you know mm. when we saw someone who maybe had self-harmed Mm. on their arm we would call them an emo that was the term that we used and now I'm looking at it I'm like Hope what behavior did you just say to that person like Mm. you know that's not wrong and it wasn't because I was being horrible but it was because that was the term that was used to related to someone who had self-harmed and now I look back at it and I'm like you know if only I was educated in the area of Mm. of that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been so naive to follow the crowd of you know it's, it's ignorance in a yeah um in a sense for self-harm um with me I remember when I was at school it was always attention or yeah. crying out for attention but in a in a negative way um so everyone's it's it's all that that person's strange and um, I was, I had friends told me that I was the girl with issues um, and it was always in a very um, sort of negative, judgmental um, way. It was horrible really, but but that's just where where the times were. Um, it's just un, like uneducated, I think. And like, I still get people coming up to me today and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I really hate this word. And it's still, it's one of them things that one day I will petition against that? this word. But I feel like I'm focusing on more positive stuff. And uh, 
sometimes my friends say it as well like oh yeah your sister committed suicide oh gosh and um you've really hit on the strong point I have because and to me I'm like I actually pick up people who say it I'm quite confident in saying it and I always say oh uh, don't say that and they they go oh why is that and I just say to me and I think quite a lot of people Mm. um say feel the same way it's like she's committed some sort of crime Mm -hmm. you know um, and it's a very negative word, like mental health issues, like other words, like emo. They're very negative so words surrounded by suicide. So it wasn't really that many years ago that suicide was actually yeah, a crime. crime. Well, um, you say it wasn't many years ago. It was It was the 1960s. <laughs> it's it's yeah. like over 50 years it's not yeah. been illegal. <laughs> But you still it's not really for a lot of people because that's in my parents' generation, um, and you know when so like when my my parents' generation my my um, my grandparents when my mum grew up it was suicide was was a crime, mm. um, and it now it's I I very much I prefer to use the word. Um, uh, losing, losing your life to suicide, um, because then my mum asked me recently. Actually, she asked whether we should use that word suicide, and I said yes, 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 definitely, hmm. because I think we we shouldn't be ashamed of that word suicide, hmm. but it's that word committed, um, which is um, it's like, um, yeah, that person has you know committed a crime (laughs) to society it's the language and the education isn't it we're coming back to i think because it's it's that side of um like you there there are times for me there are times when i would challenge that and times when i wouldn't um Mm -hmm. and there will there i say there will be there have been times when i have spoken to people and they have spoken about having a loved one that has taken their own life and they've used that term and sort of said committed yeah. suicide and like okay that's a term that you're happy to use and you're okay, okay that's fine and this also clearly is not the time to correct that yes um, yeah but I think when you hear that as part of a more casual conversation that totally is an okay time to go actually I don't know that that's really right um mm. and um <laughs> it's it's just become kind of it's it's a terminology that's used um and like you say okay yeah historically that would have been a correct saying but uh, quite a long time ago in terms of how our language develops i think just makes you realize though how there are so many people still using that Mm. word Mm. um and probably not realizing what they're actually saying i mean all the people that i've actually said please like don't say that word and i've explained why and they go oh my oh my god i didn't realize i'm so sorry and i'm like don't apologize you know you didn't know like Mm. but from now on whenever you explain something like that you know let's not use it and i think it just goes back to again like like i said about the government and everything like that like you know, on someone's death certificate, it says committed suicide. Mm. So how do we expect people for uh, in our society to change their vocabulary if, you know, even on the death certificate at the coroner's, mm. you know, court, it still says that? I think changing vocabulary is a... Um is a is a huge step in, in changing people's attitudes. Um towards mental illness mental health um and others who are others who are struggling um because i think um i i've been in um that place before where i've been suicidal um and i yeah i i hate the idea of using words because i have obviously um lost loved ones to suicide Mm. um and yeah, I, but when I was at school, I even know that I used the words I used committed suicide because I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what I was actually saying. Yeah, well, that would have, I, I would imagine, 
that would have been the only phrase that we would have heard in terms of yeah. suicide. It, that yes. would have been, they would have been conjoined words probably, ten, well, yeah, probably even just 10 years ago, they would have been conjoined words, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I think they are used by some people now. Um, the, and there are, the older generation. Yeah, I mean, there are other, I had a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago about this, and there, there are quite a few other phrases that we use that are um, historically actually really, really bad. Um, they're not related to mental health. They're related to other stuff. But the the kind of the connotation or the meaning behind them is actually really quite horrid. Yeah. Um, but because mm. we've got used to using those terms, we continue to do it and we don't know kind of what the actual meaning of that phrase is. No. Um and it's yeah, it is it is that side of education because why why would you stop using a phrase that is part of your vocabulary unless someone tells you something and that's where the education Definitely. comes in. Definitely, and and for teachers um, or caregivers, parents, whatever, to to be able to change that so yeah. that the the young people um, follow that lead. I don't. I'm, I'm also a big believer that you know I think you you touched on it earlier about you know teachers have got so much stuff that they have to do they've got to you know follow the national curriculum hit targets Mm. um you know they don't have lunch breaks because they're on duty they're doing so much other stuff they don't finish work you know they're contracted till like four but do they actually come out of that school at four yeah. 99% of the time no mm. um and now we're not we're kind of expecting them to do everything else on top of that mm. so I do get some teachers frustration when they're like you know I haven't been trained in this area I haven't been trained to do this etc and now this is exactly what you're expecting me to do and I I completely empathize with them mm. um so that's where I'm I go back to the government and yes. and more money goes back into the government in the sense that you know there is plenty of mental health professions out there um there's like social workers mm. you know counselors there's loads of people that specialize in mental well-being mental illnesses etc cetera, etc cetera. so why don't we pay the money and put someone who is a professional in that in that scenario and let the teachers do what they are meant to be doing which yeah. is teach. yes definitely i think even at the very least i i remember we used to have i think it was like once a term or once a half term we'd get uh like the mobile library would come round yes <laughs> and i think now it's like the mobile dentist or i check or whatever i don't know if they still yeah. do the library but yeah. um even so, <laughs> a bit abstract. Uh, even something like that, like if it was once every half term, there's like a a drop in or something, and they can run through with whoever wants to come and see them. At the very least, surely that would be possible. Um, the, I yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know, but I would love to see I'd love to see more um more mental health professionals being able to to go into schools, as mm. Hope said. And as Hope said, to be able to to let the teachers really take on on their role Ooh. as teachers. Um, I'm hoping to, uh, well, I'm going into mental health nursing in September um, and I would love to see, um, I would love to be able in the time that I'm sort of doing it to, to see more progress in mental health nurses being able mm. to go into schools. Um, and um and just continue the education continue the conversations and um helping um helping those young people so hopefully it's i think often it's um it's nipping in nipping things in the bud sooner um rather than later um because that that didn't happen for me Hmm. um and I've had friends who are a lot younger than me who I've um, I had to go into psychiatric hospitals inpatient day patient outpatient and things Hmm. and I've had um, on that journey um, been alongside 
some um, younger people um, and only sometimes 17, 18. And they've been able to um, to nip their illness in the bud sort of sooner without it taking full hold. Um, and I've, I've met, I, I had to go on to an eating disorders unit um, with my anorexia. Um, and I've met young people who, um, thankfully, with, with I, <laughs> um, most of my care has been um, private um, because I wasn't able to, well, totally going off track here, um, <laughs> Um, wasn't able to receive enough support on the NHS yeah. Uh, but yeah I've seen friends who um, have been able to recover um, and uh, at sort of 17 18 years old so there is progress being made there really is um, but um, unfortunately I just my I was kind of left too long <laughs> through um in the system um and wasn't able to receive help sooner but I am now which is fantastic and you know um sometimes I I think 30s old but it's not really (laughs) so um so you know I'm so grateful that now I'm in a position where I'm strong enough to be able to to use my voice and um, share my experiences, share my passion, and hopefully, hopefully, as a mental health nurse, um, be able to, you know, identify with others and help help them through um, their their struggles too. Um, I don't know whether it's that more conditions are recognised or whether it's I think it's just spotting signs earlier. Like I said, it needs more in education, but I do believe that teachers are wanting to educate themselves. They, you know, (laughs) in the sense that, you know, when when you get taught about first aid, like as a teacher, you know, we've got first aiders at school. They learn how to, you know, bandage someone up who may have fell up, fallen over or have broken their leg or if they've mm. got concussion, they know exactly what they need to do. Need but they don't really need, they don't really know what to do when someone comes up to them and says, I'm, I'm not okay. Mm. Um, and that's where, you know, we've come in as well. We, we deliver mental health first aid courses to our, our teachers, um, you know, and, and they just get, they get the support that they need on that course in the sense that what do they say? Mm. How do they say it? Mm. And will they say anything that will offend someone? Mm. And most of these courses about now that try and educate these teachers or professionals or young people is about listening and just listening to someone with no judgment and being that person where they can come and talk to. Yeah, and like you say, it's that side of, of helping to educate people and help them to be able to kind of share that information as well. And I remember, oh, I can't think exactly what the stat was, but I remember reading something recently that said, I think it was like 70 or 75% of mental health illness symptoms have started before the age of 16 or something like that yes no that is that's correct Um, yeah and it's that side of I think you've both kind of touched on it a couple of times it's it's having those conversations before there is a problem um so often people are left or discouraged from coming forward and then you're like oh well there seems to be this crisis problem well yeah (laughs) because you've not done anything up until the crisis moment if we've yeah. got the education, we're encouraging those conversations and there is greater access to some of the kind of early intervention and support. Yeah. We're not going to prevent everyone from reaching no. crisis, but we will definitely dilute that number of people. Um, definitely. There will be some people that just need to talk to someone. They might not necessarily yeah. need counselling and therapy but they just need that outlet they need yeah. someone to I talk to that it, it may not be a case of always professional um professional support in terms of 
as you say, um, therapy, medication, mm. and things. It's it's having somebody me. that will listen to you, um, having somebody that will help you to understand that one of the um, uh, one of the things that the Grace Deer Trust um, uses it's not it's okay not to be okay, mm. um, and and I think that's that's the sort of thing that has to come across um, with somebody being able to listen. It comes down to that that conversation. We had um, a speaker speak on behalf of us um, a few weeks ago around the topic of self-harm. And she actually spoke about, um, you know, when a young person or your child comes to talk to you, um, what's the first thing you say when that person says, mum, I'm ugly? What's what is it you say? Um, I don't know. What what would you what would what would you say if I say I'm fat? You're not fat. What would you say if I say like I'm I'm look at my nose, it's huge. Your nose is huge. <laughs> Just quickly stuff like that, and immediately without Lucy realizing, she's instantly shut me down because I've come yeah. in yeah. to try and say, look, mm. this is my problem. And immediately, our immediate answer is, you've just shut it down. Mm. And it really made me think. So I'm like, actually, mm. without realising that, we do that we all, all do the it. time. And she she was even saying, she said, I did it to my daughter once. Yeah. Uh, or she said it, it went on ongoing for a few months. And she said, um, you know, <clears throat> got to three months and slowly her daughter wasn't saying anything about what she was what was happening hmm. she used to get it every day mum this I'm this mum I'm that mum mum and she used always used to say no you're not no it's not and then she went I have just shut the topic of conversation down to a young my child yeah and what we really should have been like is why do you think that and have that open conversation for then me or that young person or that adult to go I think it because of X, Y, and Z. And mm. just by saying that one word, why, or what's made you feel like that, you haven't point. shut them down. Mm. But yeah, it was a great, great person. She's very inspiring. It's those little tips, isn't it, that come from conversations that make such a huge difference. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, we... we've spoken about education in quite a, a formal way, I think, yeah. so far. But actually education from just conversation, from talking yeah, to someone definitely. else, from picking up a tip or a resource that they found really useful, can be just as good. Definitely. I think we, we also use the, the motto, um, together we are stronger. Mm. Um, and, and we at the, the, like the Grace Deer Trust, you know, we can only speak on behalf of our experiences yeah. and what has happened, you know, caring for Grace at some points in her life you know, how it feels to lose a sister or lose a daughter, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. We can only use them experiences. And we are obviously all qualified in mental health first aid, mm. but we are not experts in in this. But I don't actually think anyone actually is. I think the experts mm. come from people with experiences and, um, you know, other people's experiences. And that's why we love um, to bring other people in to mm. talk and make a topic of conversation mm. as well I, re I really like that idea because I'm always apprehensive about the term experts because it yeah. sounds yeah. very much like you have all the answers yes. and I think scientific I scientifically I know we don't no, <laughs> so, no. so I'm not sure how anyone would be in it so I, I, yeah that idea that actually there, there are no experts there are people with their own experiences um, that are prepared to share those or the resources that they found useful. And, um, it's a continuous learning, mm. isn't it? And like I said, if we had that fix, you know, there would be no suicides, but, yeah. there would be no one feeling the way they do, and it's all of us coming together as one and sharing that that knowledge that we have or mm. that experience that we have that may may help someone. You know, when anyone comes to us, emails us or whatever, and they go and disclose something about either their young person or themselves, we only go from our experiences, this helped, mm. you know, and 
that might not help for them. You know, for example, Grace um, hated mindfulness. Mm. She would not, like, she could never sleep. Um, but I always used to say, why don't you put, like, the Headspace app on or Calms on? Or She was like, no, can't do it. For me, I whenever, whenever I, I whenever I go, whenever I can't sleep and I've got a lot on my mind, I put that Headspace app on and within 10 minutes, I am fast asleep. But again, it doesn't work for everyone. And it's trying to find balances and coping strategies and different ways that may help that one person. Oh, yes, definitely. I have some friends who um, really don't like the idea of mindfulness. But for me, I try to keep, I'd say to somebody, mindfulness, it doesn't have to be thinking of that picturesque um beach or you know something like that it can be I, I like to um use like if I'm struggling or if I really need to ground myself I always think of five senses um and so I go back to I love animals and I've got pets and things and um I'd use my cat and I really focus on um for sort of cuddling them stroking them and things like that and that's mindfulness um so, and that's, again, that's education on, I think, um, as Hope was saying, if, if, if mental well-being or something could be a, a part of, um, a part of a sort of curriculum in, in a well, way, then, yeah, then, yeah. Then, yeah to, for, I, I think that it's sort of children to understand that, you know, they can, they can improve their mental health um, if they are struggling. Um, and yeah, don't know where I'm going. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on on the message of kind of self improvement and there being positive opportunities, and again, education, um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll kind of round ourselves off. If um, if people wanted to find out a little bit more information. Uh, about yourselves or what you're doing about the trust uh, where would be a good place for them to go to find that information out um they could either find us on instagram at grace Deer trust or facebook the grace Deer trust or they could check out our our website which is www.thegracedeertrust.co.uk and it basically keeps everyone up to date of what we've been doing um it's a fabulous website. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Lucy's a bit biased, but we'll but no, we'll, um, we'll we, go with it's a fabulous website. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nothing wrong I, with self promotion. Story on there as well. Yeah. Um and um and there are um other people who have shared um shared their stories and um how they knew Grace and things like that. Um oh, and so it's it's keeping Grace's memory alive, um, but also hoping that we can help just one person, maybe. Yeah, one I day. mean, my dad always always finishes on this. He said he always said he could never save his daughter Grace, but if he can save someone else's child, then he's done his job. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I think that will be our. Um... That'll be our closer. That's a very good closer. Yeah. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, OK, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. 
You're not depressed. It's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I don't think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard. It's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. 